Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch 2021 edition. Although, no, no, no. Our last one was recorded on in 2020. So this is our first one in 2021. I was about to say, wait, did I fuck that up? <laughs> say hi, Taylor. You're back. I'm back, people. We've had a, a long holiday season, a lot of moving, a lot of shaking. Uh, so me and Taylor have been a lot of uh, uh, spent a lot of time apart. So I couldn't find a, a, the cords. It's the truth. I literally thought I had the cord, and then every time I did, you don't got You don't have to sell yourself out to this audience. You owe them nothing. Well, I like to be honest with everyone. <laughs> Just because I take, you know, I take, I take responsibility. I take responsibility. Um, uh, one thing we love to do on this show is take a break from uh, the bad or highlighting what we like about the bad or good about the bad or bad about the bad, all that shit, because it is bad movie brunch. Uh, we like to go at, at the end of, beginning of each year and go back through the last one and the things we enjoyed most. In a weird year where there was minimal film releases, uh, you know, in stark comparison to every other year of the film industry, it made it a little trickier for us. And so I think that's why we agreed. I think on air we agreed uh, that we'd kind of do top things we saw on a screen, which I actually stole from uh, Mark on Batman Beyond. Um, I just completely stole that idea. So I do that a lot. That's I guess I, you know, whatever. Uh, but we're going to do that. Uh, I feel like I'm talking a lot. So somebody jump in. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, as Luke was saying, we uh, do our yearly favorite movies list where we break down the movies that may not be the most critically acclaimed, but the movies that we liked best. And uh, since we have Taylor this year, we're changing the rules a little bit. So instead of going uh, into detail of our top 10, we're each going to stick with our top five. And if we have time later, then we'll talk about uh, the rest of the movies in our list. You know, uh, so, yeah. you know what's funny, Katie, is that um, the, the top 10 episode from last year, I mm -hmm. think, is the only episode we ever recorded in person together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and because like, I had just moved here. And also, mm -hmm. like, we did top tens each, and it was long. It was a long boy. Yeah, it was a long boy. So I like the top five idea. I don't know if there's ten distinct films that I, like, would could compile a top ten out of. Because a lot of things I was looking forward to didn't really happen. And mm -hmm. if the big movies aren't happening, the small movies death ain't happening. So it was, it was just weird. But uh, who would like to begin uh, with, the, with number five? And then we will, you know, send it around the fucking block. You know what I mean? I'll go first. I'm the Whoa. newbie. Yay! Yay! Okay. Um, Luke and I were, like, trying to watch some of the movies that we missed in the last two days. And so this morning mm -hmm. I got up and watched Sometimes Rarely. Uh, oh, no. Oh, man, I knew I was going to. Sometimes rare, uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. That's my number yes. five as well. Oh my God, Katie! Wow. <laughs> well, this is great. You both get to give your perspective. I can't wait. Um, it's basically to me the antithesis of Juno. Um, mm. And if you don't know anything about it, I'll just do a quick summary of: it's a girl who um, gets pregnant uh, in high school and then uh, wants to terminate her pregnancy in her journey to from her small town in Pennsylvania to New York City to get a late-term abortion. And gee whiz, uh, it's one of those movies where I hate to watch it, but I'm like, mm -hmm. I, everyone should watch it. it. It was literally a punch in the face, but mm -hmm. like, it's kind of 
everything that everyone thinks about abortion being debunked in my head. It's like, oh my, I didn't know all of these things happened. Like all the questions they asked, all of these mm-hmm. things that I just was like, and someone goes into a clinic and then they decide. Like everything that I thought of like the opposite of Juno is that's all I could think about. That's all I'll say. You go ahead, Katie. Uh, so there were two movies about uh, a pair of teenage girls looking to terminate a pregnancy this year. There was this movie and there was the other one uh, called Unpregnant. Unpregnant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I enjoyed both of the both of those movies. Uh, Unpregnant had a decidedly more comedic take on uh, that kind of journey. It's more of a buddy comedy. Um, but this one really st- uh, stood out to me because um, it's... It's a film that is comfortable with subtlety. There's mm. a lot of instances of men see- that very clearly believe that they have ownership over women's bodies and the uncomfortableness women have in responding to those men. But it doesn't feel like a Lifetime movie. It feels like actual experiences that I remember having as a young person like, the uncomfortableness of being on a bus and as, like, a 15-year-old and being hit on by somebody much, much older and having to be polite for safety. And those kinds of moments that this main character, she travels with her cousin, who is unquestionably by her side the whole film. There's mm. never, like, a you're my best friend. That's never stated. It's, it's all very quiet and very much there. Nothing needs to be spoken because they're living it. So, uh, but it's very much about how, as teenage girls, they feel just vulnerable and trapped by a lot of the men around them, and how this, the the cousin, the companion character, she kind of even has to use how men perceive her as a way for the two of them to survive while they're in New York City, and it's just painful the way that she feels like she has to put herself out there to keep her and her cousin safe. And the girl herself, it's never stated outright, but when they, when there's that scene with all the questions of where, where the title gets its name, never, rarely, sometimes, always, it's about have you ever been forced into a sexual, uh, in, into a sexual situation by one of your partners? And our main character, who's been stoic, more or less, the entire film, finally breaks down, and we realize this, and she never says it. She never confirms or not. she just, she clearly... It's it's showing without telling. It's exactly what they're always trying to get you to do, and that this movie does that in spades. It's so mm. strong, and it's it's searing and painful. But it's about how you need female friendship in times of crisis, and how that's such a huge lifeline. And as hard as it is to watch, there's also some hope in it. And I think that it's it's one of the most powerful films I saw all year. I, Katie, you like summed up one perfectly. Two, you're exactly right when it's, it's kind of like a P, like it's not a PSA. It's like definitely mm. nothing, nothing like I would think. Oh, uh, hold on one second. Technical difficulty. Luke's a popular guy. Continue. Um, but uh, I'll start again. I think the, this movie feels like it's a it's it's a PSA, but it's not at all, and that's the best thing about it. I shouldn't say it feels like it. It instructed me in so many like eye-opening, 
holy mm-hmm. shit, every day there are tens of thousands of things that women do that they don't even realize they're doing. I'm like, now you're haunting me with the image of the girls sticking their hands mm-hmm. through the window to give the money at the cashier register and then mm-hmm. like the man kissing their hands. Yeah. Um, and the two girls are so interesting. The comparisons and the differences between them are so like it's not like oh okay the pretty girl and the like ugly girl it's not that it's not the slut and the good girl it's none of those things but it also does show two differences between two different women responding in different in different ways and even watching that where the one girl like backs off super quickly and then mm-hmm. the girl who's pregnant in this like situation kind of keeps it there and it's like they're the longing for touch in just that instance mm. of people who need affection um, and on what they'll do to get that. They they don't say it outright in the movie, but like in that moment, I felt a million things. Mm. God, that movie was good. Yeah. All right. And that's only number five. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what else are you guys going to... Katie brought up so many good uh, points. I feel I like I just watched I don't know if again. I feel about strong, this strongly about anything on my list. We'll see. Um... But oh, I'm happy oh, really to hear that I should watch it. I just wanted to point out that it's written and directed by Eliza Hitman. I, I'll put all the writers and directors on my list this year. Oh, good. Good Ooh, for yeah. you. So, yeah, I want to give some shout outs. I don't, know if I'll, I don't know if I'll do that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my number five is uh, David Fincher's Mank. Um, oh. It looks like Mark on the billboards. It really mm-hmm. does. I understand it's cursive, but you know what? I, I write. I know how to write cursive too, and that looks like Mark. But it's okay, not a big deal. Um, I watched. I guess I think I just had a good experience with this movie because I was sort of. Um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed with the fact that filmmakers are are getting some leeway by uh, going to streaming. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Like names get to do a movie like Mank um, for Netflix, where I'm sitting there watching it and being like. This is a fucking trip, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works in a theater. I think I need to to watch this, um, you know, alone in my hotel room at one a.m. in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> I, I and, and you know, I, I sort of like was watching it to be like, I wonder if I'll hate this because you know it's black and white, and mm-hmm. the movie, if you don't know, is about the screenwriter for uh, Citizen Kane. Um, so I could understand how it could it could come off and sound pretentious, but what it really does is paint a really intriguing uh, portrait that is somewhat fantastic. You know what I mean? It's somewhat mm. like surreal a lot of the time uh, in in a lot of the decisions it makes in the storytelling, where you have a lead, you have a main character, where I mean, just crushing it, just absolutely crushing it. I can't even think of who the lead is right now. Gary. Thank you, Gary Oldman, because <laughs> that dude, that dude disappears into roles, and I'm like, what's the actor's mm-hmm. name? Like, and I, I should know offhand, but like, he was just unbelievable in it. And th- you have a main character where he's struggling with addiction, alcoholism, and that's uh, th- they sort of portray that in a lot of interesting ways. Um, it's also giving an interesting look at Hollywood at that time, and uh, a little bit a way I think is a little more interesting and more palatable than other flicks that have done it recently. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily romanticizing it. 
uh, it is to an extent, but it's also pretty pretty raw in its feelings about it. And it's just a movie that gets to be what it, uh, exactly what it wants to be, and that that I don't think that would work in the theater. Uh, sometimes it does, and people get you know work as in yield monetary results. I mean that's the goal of a theatrical run, I think, for the most part. Uh, when a studio puts something out, but Netflix is like, Scorsese wants to do a three and a half hour uh, passion project. Fuck yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Roma longer than fuck. Let's do it. Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> hell yeah. What a filmmaker. Uh, David Fincher wants to make a movie about uh, the making of citizen Kane, but it's this trippy, like fucking surreal story. Yes, of course. Get Amanda Seyfried while you're at it. Um, I just love every decision made for the most part. And, and I, I walked away being confused and I mm-hmm. love that. I love being confused <laughs> by a good movie. I'm like, I know that was good. I can't wait to watch it again and understand it maybe. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, um, but I, I like being a little perplexed and, and not necessarily being in on the joke because it makes it kind of more fun to decipher. I had to ask, I reached out to Jake S. Weissman a lot because he watched it and recommended it. And I was like, all right, so will you explain this to me as I'm going? Because like, I really... I'm kind of lost here and there, but it, it's good. It's really good. You should watch it. Um, definitely check it out. It's worth it. It was, you know, a very end of the year tacked on at the end of 2020. So mm-hmm. um, I was pleased to just have something new that I really legitimately enjoyed and wasn't just, you know, I didn't just enjoy it because it was there. I actually liked it. There's some new mm-hmm. movies that came out to streaming and stuff that, you know, like I, I did, I liked Chicago, uh, Chicago, the trial or trial of the Chicago seven, but like, I liked it because it was there and something new. I, I I wouldn't, it's not on my list. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm, this one I, I actually felt somewhat struck by. My turn again. Very well yeah. said. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Coming in at number four for me, I'm going to go with the television show, um, the whole season of Dash and Lily. Yes. Because I watched it like it was a actual um, movie. Luke yep. and I watched it. Um, it was basically our first Christmas movie, I think, this year. Even though it's not a Christmas movie, we literally watched it in one night. It's basically a four and a half hour Christmas movie. Yeah. And I thought it was delightful. Um, and it was like just the perfect... It was like getting hot chocolate on mm. a snowy day while I'm in L.A. in the heat with my husband. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a cheese ball. And that was... I like. It's kind of just the perfect timing for that show. And mm-hmm. I will say that that's my 2020 uh, Christmas movie that made it to my list and was like, I like this movie because of the year. I don't know if it will always be there, but it was so good. It's pretty it, damn solid. I'll, I'll just like agree mm-hmm. real fast because it almost made my list, but I, I left it off because I knew you were going to do it and I wanted uh, to, to have you know different content. But I loved it. I adored it. And I... Not only that, but I think it was my favorite rom-com of the year, for sure. Like, uh, yeah. And it earned it. It earned uh, being cheesy at spots. Like, All its spots felt earned, and the performances were, were really genuine. Oh. It wasn't like a lot of other just like half-assed rom-coms that get thrown out 30 times a year. And I can't wait for mm-hmm. that lead girl to... Um, and I would now I wish I would have also looked at the names. Ugh. But anywho, the lead... Better. We're fucking we're, even moving. No. Katie's we just like a genius. Katie's just a genius. Anywho, but I cannot <laughs> wait for that lead actress. Uh, she's very young to mm-hmm. uh, continue to work Lily? because yes, I thought she is so fun. She's the exact quirkiness, but not quirky. You know, it's like oh, that's just you being lovable. I want her to squish mm. her in the nicest way possible. <laughs> her name is 
Oh, uh, Midori. Yeah, Midori Francis. Midori Francis. Austin Abrams is dad. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. Look at this. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, deserves oh, my it. God. Give it 101. Why Shit don't is you? so good. Make five seasons of it. I don't give a fuck. Like, it's damn good. It's like, I, I might watch it in the middle of the summer. I don't even care. Yes. I, so, yeah. I never watched it. What's it about? Oh, it's okay. It's based on a novel. I think we mentioned it on the show once, right? Because yeah. Yeah, it's about um, these two kids in high schoolers in New York City. And mm-hmm. this girl puts out a her notebook and she's like, basically, it's a scavenger hunt and like, come and find me if you want to have a good Christmas, but not like in a sexual way, like just like, a, are you adventurous? And then mm. he finds it, fills it out. And then it's kind of like this journey of the, this girl who is very much loves Christmas but is so afraid of everything in life and he kind of pushes her to be a little bit more like the adventurous and then the boy is very much I hate Christmas Christmas is the worst ever and mm-hmm. and very much she's like well you should try five Christmas things and it's all about just like a scavenger hunt through New York City at Christmas time finding love but not it's just like while that might sound and like as as normal and like how like those sound like the parts of all of those things um again i i have to reiterate it earns it in a much in a mm. much more solid way like it, it takes the tropes and it's like yep but the writing is is witty and fucking clever and you can tell the novelist mm. has a voice and that like you know rings you know what i mean it fucking resounds like you you hear it like it reminds me of the the kind of wit, uh, like me and Earl and the Dying Girl, that writer, oh. Um, oh, yeah, that like yeah. which translate in the movie. That's like fucking like you say those beats and it sounds like one thing, and then you watch me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and it's like, oh, this movie's got a flavor and a voice that is it is distinct and unique and and has you know lovely dialogue. Like it's it's a lot of flavor. Yes. And so that's my number four, Katie. That's awesome. Uh, my number four is uh, Crip Camp: A Disability Revolution. It is directed by James Lebrecht and Nicole Noonan. And uh, I love me a good documentary. And this one really stood out to me this year. It centers on a summer camp for disabled teenagers that uh, brought together not only long-lasting friendships, but also ignited the disability movement in America. And what I really liked about it was that oftentimes we know about a lot of these big social movements that happened in the 60s and 70s the civil rights movement the women's movement and even now we're getting more and more and more information about the queer movement um but i don't think that there's been a lot said about the disability movement and i really like how this documentary not only showcases the importance of the disability movement but also focuses on on the actual people that were involved and it's it's joyous how this place that they could all come together and meet each other really changed their lives and how it it's clearly still moves them um as they're much older and that that has a lot of sweetness and hopefulness to it and it it's it's a documentary that i i really felt both informed by and moved by so that's why it's my number four Good choice. Love a good doc. Katie, you always come through with the documentary Madness. That's mm-hmm. on Netflix too, right? Yes. Netflix had a big year. They've been fucking Birdman hand rubbing, just waiting for a pandemic so they could be like, fucking find me. <laughs> you idiots. We've been, we have all this content and you have nothing to do but watch mm-hmm. it. 
They were just like they've been just fucking snapping necks and cashing checks this year. They're the they're the Amazon Brutal. they're the Amazon of streaming. Even though Amazon has streaming, I just have to say mm-hmm. you saying this after like a documentary is just comical. They're just killing it. <laughs> they're like, you want Tiger King? You want fucking uh, the, whatever Katie just talked about? No, I can't remember the title. Uh, you want camp. there it is. You want fucking Mank? You want. Yeah, they gave you they spice of life. They like, gave everything. They, they have everything this year, and, uh, and it was helpful. The they were a positive yeah. beacon of light this year. Dash Netflix. and Lily. Dash yes. and Lily, thank you. Anywho, um, my number four is another film uh, mm. that I saw in theater this year. Um, Whoa. Yeah, which I know is crazy, and that's because it was in uh, February. It's Birds of Prey which was mm. then uh, renamed in theater to Harley Quinn, The Birds of Prey, because uh, it didn't really do the numbers they wanted the first weekend. Um, I think there was an error in the marketing of the flick uh, in that they probably should have just called it Harley Quinn or something and, and like mm-hmm. had these characters be in it, but like not pitch it as Birds of Prey because that's its own storyline in the comics. And you're going to throw off those like douches that are like, Cassandra Kane is is supposed to be fucking Batgirl, and this is just this is a this is a girl with a cast on her arm, and 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 I've never seen this iteration. And it's like they took a lot of liberties, and it was fun. Like mm-hmm. you have the female, uh, like you know the the female written and directed and female centric movie from DC that kicked ass this year is not Wonder Woman eighty four. It's Birds of Prey, and I I think it went under the radar somehow mm-hmm. which is insane because it was also produced by margot roby and like uh she was stellar in it and everybody in the whole movie is stellar like and they introduce fucking awesome characters that i love from the comics like black canary uh mm-hmm. who's you know huge in the green arrow books and has you know had tv time on uh, arrow and stuff but she did amazing. I've been watching that girl since she was a kid when she was guest spotting on Full House and shit. Like, it's a, uh, what is it? Journey Smollett, I believe her name is. Mm. She's just so goddamn talented and was amazing in this. Ewan McGregor was having the time of his life in this movie. <laughs> uh, like, just like, was acting his complete ass off. I just loved everybody in it. So I, I thought it was a good time and I thought it was a sweet little rebrand. And it was, and you know, I, maybe I'm, maybe I sound wrong here, but I thought it was like, a solid girl power movie where these girls were fun and badass and kicked ass. Like Rosie Perez was in it for Christ's sake. Like, like playing, uh, uh, Montoya, who's also huge from the mm-hmm. comics. Like I just had a fucking ball. I also saw it at the Cinerama Dome, which was like an awesome experience. So that like surround screen, but maybe I'm a dude and I'm, and I sound off, off key. Just say it. Not, what? not at all. You like just I, you were you want to say that it's way better than Wonder Oh, I already Woman. said it was better than Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. No, no, I'm, it's not that. I just like I'm just saying maybe I'm wrong in thinking that like it seemed very uh like awesome in the way it depicted women, but it felt that way to me and the viewer. Um and I think uh Taylor enjoyed it when she watched it. I think it I think you take uh Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman and you uh, it's Birds of Prey is way better. I don't. I had really big problems with Wonder Woman, so I'm not gonna waste my time. We're talking about tops, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think Birds of Prey should have been the market for like women empowerment, and I don't feel like they gave it a fair chance. Which it got is to weird. be rated R too, I think. 
I think Birds of Prey got to be rated R. Yeah. Which was like really intriguing. I think it was. Did you watch both, Katie? I loved Birds of Prey. I yeah. thought it was a great time. I loved that everybody, like, there's a real sense of female camaraderie in it. I love that Harley Quinn is kind of struggling with being part of this kind of, with this female camaraderie. Uh, again, I think you, as you said, Luke, Ewan McGregor's just hamming it up. The costumes are great. The fight scenes are great. There's much been said about the scene where one of the, one of the gals gives a hair tie to another one of the yes. gals during a fight, which is so awesome and the the sets were were so incredible and it it was not only a visual and action delight but it was comedic and fun and i i had a great time from start to finish i really loved that one i think they like also got to do and like they they even the like you know again the marketing was whatever like i think the original title of the movie the birds of prey at the or the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn i think that's an incredible mm-hmm. title love long titles i understand why they rebranded it in theater because it wasn't getting the dough and stuff but like i think it did in its movie in knowing what it was and how it handled the things that you're talking about um in a, in a much more organic way than like say let's get every Marvel female character to fight in one scene in both Avengers mm-hmm. movies. And like, let's get, you know, let, let's make, I don't know, Wonder Woman, like Wonder Woman 84 wanted to do something uh, like at times where if you look at the two characters, it's like Harley Quinn's getting over a breakup with the Joker and having a tough time. And it's funny, but she's also like kicking ass and, 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 you know, Wonder Woman uh, in this movie, spins. We're not talking about Wonder Woman. I, I, you know, <laughs> Taylor, you got me off topic. Here. I, I just wanted to say that I feel like you needed to say it because I, I also think that because the other one, there's there was quite a bit of controversy with Birds of Prey coming out. Everyone didn't like the name, and then people were annoyed by this and this and this. And then Wonder Woman is this thing and that everyone. And it's not flawless. And uh, like this, the story is not flawless. Mine is just that it's like there was a lot of stuff that Birds of Prey people were like. And, and then and Wonder Woman was like it's a Christmas Day release mm-hmm. everyone's like it's the end mm. of the year Wonder Woman has this different like she is the superhero she is the woman's superhero that's a good point I think that's, that's a good it. point and that's my maybe we shouldn't compare the two maybe that's where I'm getting off, off. well I think that what I'm saying it, but like I just don't think Birds of Prey gets enough credit for being yes being just as much as a woman, uh, woman's movie as mm-hmm. and a lot of Wonder great Woman. performances, a lot of great performances from a lot of like sweet ladies in the biz. So I loved it, and that's why it came in and my number four slot. Yay! Yay! Um, my next one is going to be the Mandalorian. Oh, that's mine too. Yeah, uh, I have. I chose Mandalorian because uh, one, it's, it's good. It's so good. Two, I'm not really a Star Wars fan, but I've watched them all. Um, and three, the ending scene. The ending scene of the season finale. Careful to spoil it if you did. Uh, is just perfection. I love movies that actually finish in the way that it's like not happy. Um, and not sad, but just like real life, and mm-hmm. and they did that in a way that was this is a movie about a man and and his pet. 
Yeah. <laughs> slash kid. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I just loved it. And every part was hilarious and wonderful all at the same time. That's mine. It's also on my list. Should I just go to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because that's my, I believe that's my, let me see. My yeah. Name. The same number? Number three? Yes. Yeah, so Mandalorian's there for me. It, it comes in high. I mean, like, there's not much left that's appointment television anymore where you're waiting for that day to watch the episode. Like, it, it's all but dead in cable world, um, aside from, like, sports. So... To have that and be on a streamer and like be doing something like we're getting a little we're getting a dose of Star Wars once a week and it's achieving everything we wanted and more than like, you know, the the last three Skywalker saga flicks could ever hope to just because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the same thing we we're talking about before. It's just like different circumstances, different pressure, different goals to achieve uh, a lot more you can you can do when you get nine hours to tell uh, a, a story about the star Wars world and kind of do whatever you want to do. Um, that being said, the stuff that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing is just masterful. And, uh, they just to, to watch, to watch the way they go about this is, is insane. And they work for everything and everything pays off and they get to do a lot of different things, a genre where like the first episode is this crazy Western. And then, it's a samurai story and then the next episode is like a fucking total like space opera fantasy and then the next episode is uh you know we're on the ice planet and we're getting this frog lady to deliver her eggs and there's spiders mm-hmm. and then like the next episode is you know it's just like they get to they get to play with so much and they they do an amazing job with it that like th- this is this is as star wars as star wars gets and it's from people that not that J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson uh, don't love Star Wars. Of course they do. Um, but, you know, Dave Filoni was, was the handpicked boy from George Lucas to, mm. to deliver the good word. You know, like he was, he was chosen to do the Clone Wars shit. And I think Favreau has a certain level of understanding and expertise uh, in filmmaking where he just, anything he touches turns to gold. It's just a fact. His career is riveting. He's going to have, I've said it before and, and, you know, people kind of told me to shut up, but I think, you know, 20 years from now, Favreau, like we talk, we'll talk about him. Like people talk about Spielberg. I really think so. I will. I like him a lot. And, uh, I feel like it's, I feel like the Mandalorian is like reading chapters of a star Wars book, but like, Mm -hmm. like Harry Potter, like it's like listening to a Harry Potter, like listening to Harry Potter on audio is the same experience as me watching the Mandalorian chapters, like just devouring it and enjoying every chapter and each chapter feels different, but this, the finish, but I, I will say, I feel like this is the ending and I, I, I don't know how they're going to go from here, but I know they'll do it, but I feel like they're this going is here and a lot of other places. So, so many good. fucking spinoffs from the series. Rosario got her spinoff announced. Yeah. Um, like they're doing the the Boba Fett show as a, a spinoff out of it. Um, oh my god! Like the possibilities are fucking endless, and they're also announced a bunch of other Star Wars movies and whatnot. Katie, are you current on it by any chance? I am not. I oh. uh, I'm on episode five of season two. I keep starting it and having to stop it. And you don't know what happens still? No. Oh, oh. This is incredible. I'm so happy we didn't spoil it. Yay! 
fuck i can't wait to talk about it on the show but just know that your 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 brain's gonna fucking explode into mush and you need and you need to text us after the final episode everybody i've talked to is like you have to watch it i cried like at the internet let's wrap this fucker up so you can watch it (laughs) katie what's your number three my number three is palm springs Directed by uh, Max Barbacow and written by Andy Sierra. And uh, here's the logline from IMDb. When carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at a Palm Springs wedding, things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other. So this film takes the familiar setup of a time loop a la Groundhog's Day and Happy Death Day. But what I really like about it is that instead of them having to, like, grow as people or figure something else with their internal lives, it's actually the way to break out of the time loop is science, which Sarah has to work really hard to figure out using the the time loop, giving her the ability to learn all of this stuff to get out of the situation herself. And then you have... Um, some consent issues that are brought up with time loops. Like if somebody knows that a time loop is happening and they use that to uh, hook up with another character without their knowledge of being in the time loop, like, is that okay? Like, that's a question I never would have thought of. Um, And I, it's laugh out loud funny. I think uh, the performances are great. Andy Samberg is killing it. And I, I, I think about, a line from this movie often, which is, uh, this is one of those time loop things you may have heard of. And Sarah responds, that I may have heard of? Like, just incredulous, incredulously. And I can't explain exactly why, but that wrecks me every time. I, <laughs> j- just the, the, the meta-ness and understanding of it all and the horrific comedy that comes from being in such a cartoon scenario and somehow finding the humanity within that to like probe these deeper questions this script was so smart that it's one of the few movies this year that i like had to look up andy sierra and kind of figure out what his deal was but he's actually kind of newer in the in the sense of breaking out and i'm so excited to see what he comes up with next That, Katie, one, you make me want to watch the movie again because I was on the opposite side of that movie. Oh, really? Oh, yes. (laughs) I forgot you watched it. Yes, I did. It made me, uh, I don't know why it made me so angry. I think I watched it at the the wrong time. Also, it was after it was on the billboard for forever. Mm. And it was like, everyone's like, it's so good. And and I think I went in with a bad attitude. Um, But I love her. I think Mm -hmm. I just don't like him very much. You don't like any Sandberg? No. I think you're like one of the only people. Well, call me one of the only people. You're such there. a you're such a standout. <laughs> I love you. You stand I'm not out. A standout. Of, you I'm stand a crabby, out above the crowd. I'm a crab apple. I haven't seen it, but it, it made a lot of people's uh, lists that I love and respect, uh, yourself included, my buddy Anthony Eberle's list, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been seeing it all over town just because like I work over by Sunset and Vine, and they always have like Hulu shit up, and so mm-hmm. Palm Springs has been mad pitched. It may, it was bought for a lot of dough at Sundance, correct? I think so. It was one of those like big deal movies out of Sundance, which is that's why it bothered different conversation me. for a different day. That's I all mm-hmm. I heard was that there was a standing ovation, and then I think I think I was going to be begrudging. Taylor's like, oh, riveting. Yeah, I was like, oh, you you think you deserve a standing ovation, even though they didn't say that. But yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm you make me want to rewatch it. Okay, I mean it's fine if you don't like it too. We can we can agree to disagree, but I can I, we, Katie. I like you so much. 
I just had a really good time watching it with Erica, and I think about it often, and I, uh, I genuinely am very excited to see more work from Andy Sierra. Yay! Oh, Taylor. Well, well, it's me again. Yay! Wow. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed uh, On the Rocks. I know oh. that not a lot of people loved it, but I did. We watched it recently. A24. A24. Apple Sophia TV. Coppola. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Sophia or Sophia. Sophia Coppola. Yeah. Whatever you said. Um, I don't know why I loved it so much. I think I love it. I know why you loved it so much, but I'll let you talk. <laughs> One, I love, what I love the most about it, even though it was really on the nose, I love that it's like deception can just be your own mind and like Mm -hmm. they don't go crazy like she doesn't lose her mind this is a movie about a woman who thinks her husband's cheating on her and he's not and her dad tries to convince her otherwise who's bill murray who i just want to snuggle every time i see him yes he tell he he's like we gotta figure this out and of course this man is like rich beyond belief and can take his daughter wherever she wants and is but he's obviously she has all the trauma of like he was the bad dad who did cheat on his uh, wife and left. And so, like, you know, of course he's going to think that way. But what I loved was, like, it it wasn't like, oh, yeah, it's a cheating movie. And I feel like those are sometimes overplayed. This one was like, actually, sometimes in life you literally can make something out of nothing. And that was very much the case. Um, and mm-hmm. maybe I love it because that's my brain all the time. I don't think Luke's, Luke's cheated on me ever or will ever. But... I very much am some person that's like the sky is blue today on a on this on on a Sunday, uh, and it's four o'clock and it's raining. Do you know what that means? That means that um, someone is thinking about you across the country and they want you to. I don't know. Like I'm very much a believer. Like I can, my brain can go one zero to six in three point five. So I think like one, I love that. But uh, I love that it was the idea of. Here's something, here's the trail, and it didn't really lead anywhere. Some of the stuff was on the nose, and uh, the ending went a little bit long, but it just was a light movie, again, to get me through some 2020 moments, and I feel like that was mm. one of those things where I was like, all right, that was that was nice. Yeah, it was cool. See, we, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, uh, I was just going to say uh, we're at a level playing field now because I actually didn't care for this film. Um, I knew you, you were going to say it. that. <laughs> but <laughs> when hearing you describe it makes me want to rewatch it. I felt very cynical while watching it. Um, but, uh, I get that. You, yeah. It, to, to me, it felt very privileged. And yes. I had trouble connecting with the characters at times. And um, I also have the experience of trying to relate to a difficult father. So the, the the main character's relationship there didn't read to me, but I do think it's more based on Sofia Coppola's experience and everybody's experience with their father is obviously different. Um, it, it definitely felt to me like it came from a very narrow perspective and I, I kind of readily dismissed it pretty early on in the film, so I don't think I was very open to it, but uh, you make me want to rewatch it again. I think there are some things that I took, like, again, going into it, took for, like, granted. Uh, mm-hmm. One, um, Luke pointed out that Bill, Bill Murray looks like my dad. Um, and in I love, this movie. It's in insane. This movie. Like, he could be, it's, a, it's as if they tried to make 
M. Taylor's dad in this movie. It's insane. Not like to the, <laughs> not speaking to his character or anything. Just like mm-hmm. Taylor, I think it it really hit the spot for her because it is a story. It's it's a father daughter story, which doesn't happen all the time. And not only that, but even though they have their issues, this movie isn't a drama. It's a comedy. Mm. It's a fucking mm-hmm. comedy. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. deals with it as lightly as possible, and it makes it palatable and hits the spot you need it to. Like I love it, and I and I think that um, I, I while it's not on my list, I did get a kick out of it. I, my my things were um, kind of what Katie's talking about, and also like script level. Uh, I, I feel like when you when you're an Apple TV Plus starting out and trying to compete with other streamers you get a name like Sofia Coppola and you're not given a lot of notes. You mm. know what I mean? I think you just kind of let, and, and that's not a detriment to the movie cause it's incredible. Like I, I really did like it. Um, but I, I think that there were some, some beats that, you know, you could make things a little more complex in this flick, just a little more oh. and just like connect dots a little or, or, or not complex simplify. And like, cause there's a couple like really easy beats that happen that like just were like the obvious set it up here, mention it once in the middle and then have it happen. And you did it with like three different yeah. things and none of them really hit for me. That was all like, you know what I'm saying? It should be called but, on the rocks in the shallows. Like it's the, the shallowest rocks. <laughs> it's the like lightest problems. But the performances yeah. and the direction I thought uh, were, were very strong. And so like I'd fucking watch Rashida and Bill Murray and like, you know, read me the phone book. Yeah. I, I mine wish was, that. Go um, ahead, Katie. We, Sorry. I also just wish that we we knew more what Rashida Rashida's writing was. I didn't get a very good sense of that no, and, and her Jane. struggles. Nor did I completely understand what it is that um uh her husband's job was. Like vaguely tech? Not um, important. Not yeah. Get I, well, I guess. I guess. <laughs> no, it's very Can much Can we get Bill Murray on screen? It there's a lot of stuff that it's like to have this movie and oh, forgive me again, rare are mm-hmm. uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, to put them both on my, and then you'll find out what my last one is, and it's it's just kind of a comical, uh, uh, a little top five. But to have both of these on my list is is quite like these movies play into those subtleties. Um, but don't address them and then like kind of give like Bill Murray gets a free pass on so many mm. things and, uh, and, and certainly like has no intention of changing his behavior and is one of those people where it's like if I were to see Bill Murray when he was her father I would mm. actually be like when I met him then be, probably be like that best friend of like dude, like, you're really shitty as a, a kid, and, like, now she's got all of this because of you. Like, you don't get to pretend to be the hero now. And so, like, I I think that it really just was, like, oh, okay. Ah, I, like, it was a turn, it was a turn off my brain movie. For sure. Mm. And that's why it's on my list. I had a lot of those moments this year where I was, like, la, 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 we'll get through. What's your next Very one, Very respectable. I have uh, Sonic the Hedgehog on my top ten, so Yay! there is that. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Is it? Is this your pick? So good. Uh, no, uh, it's actually my number ten of my top ten, but it is on oh. there. Uh. Um, my number two is The Sound of Metal, which is oh, uh, directed I didn't watch by. This one. 
Oh, it's so good. It's directed by Darius Martyr and written by Darius Martyr and Abraham Martyr. And it centers on a metal drummer who struggles with hearing loss and addiction. Fabulous performances by Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. And uh, I, I really think that Ahmed, uh, like Riz Ahmed has one of the best performances of the year. He not only had to learn how to drum in this movie, he had to learn how to do uh, ASL, really uh, become fluent in it. And it's... What I really love about it is that it's a movie about disability that, again, doesn't feel like a Lifetime movie. Like, the, the main character is allowed to struggle and allow... He's, he's allowed to want to try and become hearing again through the use of cochlear implants, which is a huge controversy in the deaf community. Because, um, as this film clearly demonstrates, a lot of people in the deaf community don't see deafness as a detriment. They see it as this very positive, very loving community. So when you get the cochlear implant, you're kind of showing that you're, or at least some people think that you're showing that you're ashamed of being deaf. And the main character kind of struggles towards scrapping and scrimping to get to that point, to try and get back into mainstream hearing society. But the cost that comes with that, not just personally, but financially, to try to get to a place, and he kind of goes on this journey where he realizes that he can never get back to the mainstream hearing world ever again. And it's a movie about acceptance, not just about disability, but about ending a relationship, about turning a new chapter in your life and accepting stillness. That's a big Mm. theme in the movie is just allowing yourself to be still and be. And it's beautiful. It's so good. And I highly recommend it to everyone. Where can we watch it? Oh, where can we watch it? Uh, Amazon. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Katie, that sounds incredible. Amazon original, right? I believe so. Whoa. That dude works, doesn't he? I feel like he's in everything. Oh, yeah. Who? I Riz love Riz Ahmed. Dude from yesterday. Oh, it's him? Yes. I, I want to let you know that... M- Taylor, as an actor, knows no actors' names. I don't know anybody's <laughs> name. I don't know my own name. <laughs> the girl so nice they named her twice my name uh, but yes oh that makes me want to watch it even more i do like that guy a lot uh, very charming well, yeah that sounds very good i didn't watch that one my number two yes is the last dance <laughs> um this is I'll, I'll netflix again crushing it because they produced it with espn mm-hmm. um the the story the documentary the story of uh the last championship run for the chicago bulls with jordan and pippen and all those people assembled but what it really does is uh sort of highlight all of these players and especially jordan uh throughout their mm. entire like career in, in an interesting way and like and like all of it keeps tying into what's happening like they're like this season's really important and we're going to tell you why by going back to the beginning for each person and so, like, here's why Rodman's Rodman, and here's how we got here. Here's how here's how Pippin is Pippin, and what happened, like, like you know, having to be this guy living in Mike's shadow. And then, like, mm-hmm. when Mike leaves, Pippin's, you know, still the best player on the team and one of the best in the league and even better. And then, like, all this dramatic shit comes. It's just like, it's like, oh, here's Steve Kerr. Remember, he's he, he played for the Bulls and, and won that ring with, with Mike. Uh, he uh, He's the coach of the Golden State Warriors and has won all these rings. Did you know his dad was, like, a professor who was, like, killed by a terrorist on campus? And, like... Oh, my God. Like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, and it's, like, like you just learn so much. Like, 
like oh and and they tie that in with michael jordan's dad being murdered and like all this other stuff it's just like all the drama it came out at the at the top of quarantine when we really needed something they moved it up the release date to give us something to watch which i thought was really cool of them and i've talked about it on the show before i feel like i've talked about it everywhere but it was just like amazing and it doesn't matter if you were a kid in the 90s uh i mean it hits probably very hard if you're me who's a kid in the 90s who grew up in illinois um but it doesn't matter if if you like sports even it's just fucking great filmmaking uh Mm. insane filmmaking the footage and like the documentary crew and like the the fourth the forethought to to go around and get all this fucking amazing footage and sound from this year and not release it until now it's just like it's just unbelievable it's unbelievable how good and professional and amazing it is like it's just i'm so astounded by it i i i've i devoured it once i've devoured it twice it's been the the root of many memes. It was crazy to have Kobe Bryant in it and have like a whole mm-hmm. like like and it was right he he had literally had to have filmed it like right before he passed unti- like and which mm-hmm. was horrible and untimely and also at the top of quarantine or right before it. It was just a fucking in in a in a year that was like as crazy as 2020. I think the last dance was a highlight and will stand out for years to come. I don't think we're anywhere near done talking about it it provided a window into to the sports personality uh, uh, michael jordan who's been kind of enig- enigmatic we don't we never really got into his psyche and he opened up like he's never opened up before and it's just fucking incredible oh my god like mm-hmm. hey look at this like th- like like there's like a story of like rodman like leaving the team and like being like i gotta go i gotta i just need like to blow off some steam so like that like Phil Jackson lets Rodman go to Vegas and he's supposed to go for like 48 hours and he's gone for like five days and they have to like send Mike and like those guys to like get him and stuff. And like, he's like partying oh. with Madonna. He's like partying with Madonna and shit. And like, Carmen he's Electra. on like, or Carmen Electra. I meant to it, like, I meant to say at that point is it's Carmen Electra and like fucking, he's like, they're like, Oh, uh, Rodman didn't show up to practice today. And then you turn on TV and he's like with Hulk Hogan on NWO and like, and shit like that. Like, it's just, the personalities and the drama and the story and every single thing that was happening, like in that span of like Mike coming into the league in 85 through this, like night, I think the 98 season is just, Oh God, it's poetry. It's so good. That's, I mean, that's really all I have to say about it. And like, I think it doesn't matter if you like sports at all. I think, I think it will fucking blow your socks off no matter what, especially Katie, uh, you, you understand and appreciate docs i feel like way more than me i'm kind of a basic bitch i feel like you you like you're like well that's that's film too and i'm like yeah all right make it about the bulls maybe <laughs> uh, but uh i i I, th- I thought it was i thought it was great i think i feel like you liked it too babe i did like it it was very good that's awesome i heard really good things but i i never took the time to watch it myself i'll definitely put it on my list to watch damn good dude damn good i think you'll like you'll mow through it it's it's God damn, it's good. <laughs> That's all I can say is like, I, it's hard because like, I, I actually you know what I'll be super interested to see if you do like it because maybe mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like also because I love sports. I, I, I understand that that's probably a big part, but I feel like much like Mandalorian appeals to Taylor and she doesn't really care about Star Wars. I feel like this is one of those things. I feel like it's well, a go- it's just, go ahead, Katie. Oh, sorry. Just, just really no. quick. Well, I, I do care about sports narratives. Um, to clarify, like, I loved I, Tanya. I love her uh, ASPN uh, 30 for 30 documentary, The Price of Gold. 
I uh, I love Rudy, and um, I'm I I didn't put it on my list because I didn't totally understand that we could put movies or sorry TV shows on here too. But if I did, probably top of this list would be Cobra Kai because oh, those yeah, dads are my shit. everything. So I, I'm down with a sports story. Anyway, I'm sorry, Taylor, I cut you off. No, I was just going to say, I was actually literally going to say that is the best part about it is you're seeing into the psyche of all of these players mm-hmm. who like made an incredible team, but also the coach you don't really know Ooh, about. It's yeah. like it was it, the practices of, I mean, to be a good sports uh, player is just, it's, it is sports this different. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> don't laugh at me. An athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, is just it's a whole different like there's a, it's a mental game that I don't think they get enough credit for and this I think this exact uh, doc shows different varieties of how different type of people deal with that um, talent but also mm-hmm. the discipline of it all and they don't exactly make Mike look great you know what I mean mm-hmm. like they're pretty honest for the most part and yeah like it's obviously like swaying you one way or the other I don't think it'll change your opinion on Mike, like one way or the other. If you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. But like, they don't sugarcoat some shit in here, and he doesn't seem hard. Like he doesn't seem easy to be around, especially like later in his career. He's kind of a dick. Like I would hate to be a young player around Mike. It would suck. Like (laughs) I'm just saying, like it's crazy. So yeah, I think you'll really love it then, especially if you like if you liked uh, a thirty for thirty, any of them, Mm because they're all like top top tier uh filmmaking like espn is mm. oh it's my shit i love them oh, they're so i'm done good. now that was my number two That's my number two <laughs> um my number one <laughs> is <laughs> mrs america hulu oh um, yes i was like uh katie knows my obsession with the show because as soon as mm-hmm. i finished it and actually in the middle of it was like i was like katie i have to tell you something with the, how the world needs to be changed and fairly much just like bothered Katie strongly every moment that I watched that show. Um, but it is exactly the show I feel like I needed to watch this year. It is uh, a show about, oh, um, it's all about the women in the uh, late 60s, early 70s. Right, Katie? I'm mm-hmm. getting that right. Um, And the women's movement and the um, women pushing for the right to vote. Not the right to vote. Jesus Christ, Taylor. My brain feels fried. Um, But uh, I think the best way to put it is I love this show because it perfectly depicts how women literally use themselves against each other to Mm. not get anywhere and to be at a standstill. Um, and the box that we create gets smaller and smaller as we try, as we try to define what we want, um, which is funny because I feel like it should be expanding the more women explore a new side of the things that women can do. But there is a strong, strong belief that if we go too far, um, what will happen to the women who want to be housewives and for that reason mm-hmm. we watch women destroy each other um in mm-hmm. this show and um that's my shit i i'm like i i believe in that all the time i feel like i i, f- I truly believe we live in fear and i think especially after this year and all the politics and um it's just like 
we exist on a playing field of fear or mm-hmm. or or not being fearful and that fear is used as propaganda constantly and it has been used in the women's movement and it has been used for not so great things and that show blew my melon and <laughs> i yeah and then it led me down many paths where i was like katie what and then I spent a lot of time finding out about how it basically still exists today. And so that would say I was like, that was life changing for me. And that mm. is my number one. Great number one. That's yeah. awesome. Succinct. Yeah. I, I want to uh, recommend a book for you if you're interested. It's called 90s Bitch. And it's yes. all about how uh, the 1990s kind of created this culture of infighting amongst women. Um, th- there's a wording it at some point that the cat fights became the national pastime and i I think you'd you'd really enjoy it 90s bitch 90s bitch pretty unforgettable title well reminds me of that song um uh i don't care oh yeah that is that is a nice and i'm a 90s bitch i don't think oh yeah good call wow Uh, yeah yeah good call babe they yes but honestly katie probably could do even a better uh summary of what uh, what the show was but all i can go on is feeling and that it just like hit my heart of where we are today absolutely it yeah yeah that's a great pick i thoroughly enjoyed it myself uh i loved learning about all these different uh figures of the women's uh, rights movements uh and learning more about ones that i thought i kind of knew about and I, I do think Kate Blanchett's character was such a fabulous anti-hero, tragic in the sense that she tried to play ball, but it never was going to work, and how she wasn't even really interested in stopping the Equal Rights Amendment. Like, her thing was more about nuclear power and worrying about, or nuclear weapons, and worries and anxieties about that during that era. And I, oh. I find her character so fascinating. Phyllis Schlafly. Yes, and she's from uh, Peoria, too. Really? Hey, yeah. that's by my that's my, that's my by place. where Luke's from. Um, but it, it, you're exactly right. It's like literally this whole thing starts because she actually wants to sit at the table. I was mm-hmm. listening to Dare to Lead with um, oh, is it Amy Wambach? No, Abby Wambach. She joked that her she, everyone always calls her Amy. Um, uh, Abby Wambach and Brene Brown, and they were talking about how like women continue to try to sit at the table and it's like why do you have to and think that there's one seat um Mm -hmm. but why don't we just make our own table and i feel like this movie is exactly that it's like watching women try to fight for one seat at the table and it's like why Mm -hmm. are we all trying to sit at one table like who's to say the colorful table that we'd make wouldn't be just as as exciting and can't coexist in the same living room Mm -hmm. oh yeah That's Love sad. it. Living for it. What's your number two, Katie? <laughs> number one. Oh, number one. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> My number one is A Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Ooh, uh, all right. Yeah. Is that Cersei? Directed and... and... No. Oh, I'm sorry? It's not Cersei. What is that one? That's a different movie, isn't oh, it? Oh, my bad. Right? Oh. So, sorry, what movie are you talking about? You tell. you tell us. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, sorry. It's directed and written by uh, Celine Siama, who I'm sorry if I uh, mispronounced her name. Um, she wrote and directed the wonderful 2011 film uh, Tomboy. 
and directed the 2016 stop-motion animated film My Life as a Zucchini. Uh, this film is... We did it. I, I feel like a lot of films, like, about lesbians are, like, they have to be in the 18th century. There has to be a lot of longing looks. And this film is the ultimate. We did it. We perfected it. We don't need to make any more. It's done. It's It shows the intensity of the female gaze and desire, and it's very sexy without being exploitive, like, unlike Blue is the Warmest Color. And it has, like, three different endings, and they're all fabulous. And it's it's just a rich and powerful lovely sumptuous film and i'm so glad i got to see it in theaters before the pandemic and i it we just we did it i'm so happy it exists we did it <laughs> i i like are you making me think of kamala harris when she goes we did it joe yeah but you're saying we did it guys we made yeah. a, a good lesbian movie i did not watch it, it. i've I've seen so much crap over the years, you guys. Like, I can't tell you how awesome it is to find, like, an, like an, a film that I can say categorically is just good. It's just good. It's just great. And it's nice that we... It's nice to have that. Um, it's... it's. I mean, this year we also had uh, Happiest Season, which is another... It's number seven on my list. But, but that film has some problems that we've discussed um, with one of the characters, Harper, and how she sometimes is difficult to relate to. And there is some ambiguity of, like, why would you invite your girlfriend to Christmas oh, yeah. when you're not out? Like, that never sat well with me. But this film, I, I can say, is just fantastic. And it centers on a forbidden affair between an aristocrat and the woman that is sent to paint her in secret. And it's, it's all about the intense looks and... Um, subtleties and again the, the endings are so good and powerful and the the longing oh man if if there's nothing good romance films I feel like always have that kind of painful longing to them and this film really has it in spades so I, I'm so happy that I can just say we did it it's a good one I'm I had nothing to do with it but I'm proud of it and uh yeah that's my number one my heart is warm hearing you talk about it. We did it. I'm going to think about that when I watch the movie. We did it. Yay. <laughs> what about you, Luke? My, my number one is, my number one 2020 release is Break on Amazon Prime. Oh. Me. Yay. I am your hay king. Um. <laughs> I, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, should I put my own movie on my list? And then I was like, fuck yeah. And then I was like, <laughs> well, I didn't enjoy any other movie more than my own, just to be honest mm-hmm. with you, because that was my movie. <laughs> and uh, warts and all, because they're definitely as like a filmmaker and a writer and everything else, you're super judgy about your shit. And mm-hmm. I am, but the reception and everything I've like heard from everybody that's important to me and also people that... I've never met before uh, has been really positive and cool. And the fact that like I have a flick that's been streaming this whole year and well, for the most part, like half this year or of 2020 and uh, it's something we made and we have other stuff on the way is huge. And it's a story about my hometown and like, and it's starring people that I know and love. So the fact that that's out there in the world, it's impossible for me to enjoy you know the Mando and Grogu, or or mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and and the fucking '90s Bulls, or 
Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey or anything as much as I enjoy seeing my wife on film uh, or seeing uh, Arif Polsky or Kelsey Bunner or Grant Whitaker or Sylvia Abelson or Douglas Oakey or any anybody that was involved in the in the flick. Hearing the music, that's original music that was made for my movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, just all of it makes me so happy. And I didn't even think about it being a 2020 release until my, my buddy Anthony Everly put it on his list of movies he enjoyed this year. And I was like... Oh. Fuck yeah, own that shit. That that is, that is mine, and I did that, and with with the help of a lot of people, of course, like Marissa Lessman and mm-hmm. Ryan Croft and everybody that Bryce, Bryce Schwarbach and Robert Alejandro. Riley, Abby Dupi, Alejandro Reyes, like a, a lot of wonderful people. The people at Skateland, I'm just so happy of, uh, about the achievement, and I'll never stop sucking my own dick over it. Just to be honest, because. Uh, sometimes you need to flex that muscle and you need to promote your brand. And I learned from, I learned from people like Stan Lee who fucking wore Marvel on his sleeve and promoted his own shit mm. or Kevin Smith who wears his shit on his sleeve and promotes his own shit. Um, I'm going to do it too. So break on Amazon prime. Watch it. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's the perfect way to end the list, man. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I again. Yeah. I, I was like, I was like, you know, I, I like athletes that say I'm the best quarterback in the league, even if they're not. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I'm the best, but I like my shit the most. <laughs> I also think that's that awesome. There's... I'm so glad that you you get to enjoy it and be so proud of it because it really is so good. Thank you. It's a long journey. I've hated mm-hmm. myself a lot for it and a lot of things about it, <laughs> the editing process especially too, and. Having it out there, there's. I just was ripping my own shit up about it. But recently, I've uh, the perspective of like having some time away from it. Now I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that that's something I did, and like I had to do it. And I said it to you. I remember being like smoking hookah outside of the New Beverly with you, Katie, and being like, "Yo, I'm. I, if I were to come back here, I'd want to come back after I'd made something." And that was like, mm-hmm. I wasn't fucking kidding. Like I really wanted to do it. And the fact that I was able to, um, you know, speaks to my privilege, of course. Like, you know, I, but also, like, uh, my sort of, I feel like I was resilient. You're a go-getter. I feel like I was resilient. Yeah. And, and, and again, a lot of help from a lot of people. Like, I definitely couldn't do it without Marissa helping find the dough and, and encouraging me so much the whole time and being a great production mm-hmm. partner at BBF. And we have more stuff on the way. So, also, go to bbfprods.com. Also look at us on social media. Marissa's also been making stuff and cooking up stuff on her own in Chicago this year and has a lot of interesting shit on the way. So we're not done. We're Hell just yeah. beginning. That's all I got, really. Yay. Those are good Yay. 2020 It's lists. a good way to kick yeah. off 2021, a nice reflection. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't want to say anything else because I feel like that is the top of the level of where mm-hmm. we can go on a 2020, our top 2020 list. I think that sums up everything. Always Absolutely. support yourself. Mm. Um, so with that being said, I'm Lucas Guy Taylor, d- filmmaker. <laughs> I'm, I'm Katie Grotzinger. And I well, Writer. You're Katie Gr- yes, writer. <laughs> Fucking profound, prolific writer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'm Taylor Taylor, actress and happy go lucky. Extraordinaire. Girl. And God damn it, we're all podcasters. I ba- I banged that drum on the last episode too, but like, <laughs> never forget that we've got like over sixty episodes of a fucking podcast. This is amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm super proud of us. Yay, twenty twenty one. It's gonna us. be a good one. We're gonna mm-hmm. fucking make it a good year. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs>
right. Positivity wins out. Talk to you later, mm-hmm. folks.